This morning, we're going to be looking at 1 Timothy, continuing the series regarding the faith. And I just want to start with um, 1 Timothy 1, just looking again at um, the Apostle Paul's aim. As he says in chapter 1, verse 5, he says, The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So his charge is love. Now, if you'll go and turn over to chapter 5, we'll be looking at 16 verses today. So it will not be a detailed exposition uh, in the time that we have, but Paul sets it up more as a topical approach than just walking through word by word. But verses uh, 1 through 16, this is how love is shown, expressed in the church in specific categories and specific people. Starts with verse 1, it says, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day, But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well, so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband, and having a reputation for good works. If she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work, but refuse to enroll younger widows, for when, they, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry, and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers, going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying what they should not. So I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander, for some have already strayed after Satan. If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are truly widows. Wow, there's a lot in that passage. Um, When uh, my wife and I moved out here just eight months ago, one of the blessings we were looking forward to moving back to South Carolina was meeting up with some dear friends of ours from Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, We ministered down there for over nine years, and we grew really close to a particular couple. Their their kids' age were the same as ours, and uh, we were spending a lot of time on how do we do this parenting. 
and uh, he was a counselor as well with ACBC. And so we were just looking forward to coming back, being able to go down there and meet up with them. Uh, I was here just a few weeks when I got a phone call that my friend, Rick, was killed in an automobile accident. Um, unexpected, obviously. He was on his way to work down in West Columbia, and someone ran a, the intersection and killed him instantly. And he was planning, they were planning on retiring the end of last year. And I, I was just stunned to get that news. And I talked to one of their pastors at the church where he served. And the pastor says, you won't believe what he was teaching on Sunday. That happened on a Tuesday. On Sunday, two days prior, he taught an adult fellowship group on how to care for widows. And uh, his wife sent me his notes. And at the very end, he had no idea what the Lord had planned for him two days later, or his wife. But he just said, you know, and your immediate families, he said, pray and prepare so that when and if the time comes, you'll be ready. In two days, the Lord took him home, and she is now a widow. Uh, this past year, three of my dear friends, former students, all became widows or widowers in their 30s. Some had three children, one had five little children, and now she's a widow. So this is a, it's a text that's very practical, applicable, I would think, in this room. Many of you have had someone close to you die and probably is a widow or a widower. But the Lord cares. He cares deeply for people. He's kind. He's patient. And we're living in a world that's uncaring. And it's increasing. And it's moving into the church as well. Matter of fact, some of the commentators state that in 2 Timothy 3, when it says in the latter days, people will be more lovers of self and et cetera, et cetera. That last phrase, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, may even be referring to in the church. So just increasing, it's like caring for people in an uncaring environment, an uncaring world where it's all about individuals rather than caring for families. But the Apostle Paul now is moving to specific examples of godly care. In verses 1 through 16, he's going to deal with two groups uh, on how to care for them. He's moving from doctrine to practice, very much the pattern of the Apostle Paul, because right doctrine leads to right living, as we've seen. So this is topical by nature when he's moving to chapter 5. It's practical, applicable. He's going from general to more specific. So the first example here is godly care when you correct other members in the body of Christ. If you love people, you will help correct them. And we should be humble enough to receive correction. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 says, Open admonishment is better 
than love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. They're better than the kisses of an enemy. When I hear people say, well, I don't, I'm not going to say anything to anyone uh, in any kind of a corrective form in the church, well, then you don't love them enough. Open admonishment is better than love carefully concealed. And here, this is loving care, but it's care in the area of correction and two different groups. He has the older men and older women. Even the word they thought, well, this is referring to the office of an elder, but it's not. The context is clear. It's talking about an older man, not an elder as the office, but more the gender. He's a man, an older man, because it uses the same type of word for women, the older women. So there's a respect there for age. I would assume that if someone's 18 to 20 years older than you, they could be your parent. That's maybe a good way to think. Other than that, there may be a peer, a brother and sister. But if they're 18, 20 years older, they are at least old enough to be a parent. And here it says, it's, it's one word that's used, don't strike them, don't be harsh with them. Again, it's only used once in the New Testament, uh, and it literally means to strike at. Don't strike at older people with your words. Don't be harsh and abrupt, but it says entreat them as you would a father and mother. Now, I don't look to the culture on that one because the culture is very disrespectful to their parents. It really, it's, it's awful. Uh, my mom, who was an elementary school principal, who is a widow and lives with us and has the last eight years, but she was an elementary school principal down in Irmo, south of here, and she just said she couldn't believe the way the children in elementary school were talking to their parents, demanding them, ordering them around. So we don't look to culture for how to be respectful. This is taught by the Lord uh, in his spirit to be kind, gracious, and entreat the older. Then the younger men and women were supposed to entreat them as well. Don't be harsh with them e- either, but entreat them, but entreat them as a brother and a sister or a sister. Um, this is coming alongside of them as peers, not talking down to them. And it adds one little note there with the sisters. It says, with all purity. Now, Timothy is referred to as a young man. We don't know how young he was. It's pretty old to me, uh, as someone in their 50s seems young to me. But they speculate, maybe in his early 20s. And there's nothing said in Scripture that Timothy was married. So pastoring a church here at Ephesus, but nothing is said that he was married even. So we don't know. We don't know his exact age. We don't know if he was even married. But it says there when you're with the younger women, with all purity. And that doesn't just mean with immorality, don't be immoral, but it's also referring to much broader, be wise, be discreet, be above reproach. It's not just talking only about don't be involved sexually, but it has a broader concept of just be wise. Be discreet, treat them well, treat them with with honor, but
but no reproach. So when you're correcting uh, with godly care, do it with entreaties. Don't be sharp and harsh with the older or with those that are younger. So that's just godly care within correction. The main point of this, the text that I have, is about now godly care when it comes for widows. For widows. There seems to be five different groups here of widows. Uh, and again, as I mentioned, I'm this past year, there's just been several in my life that I know and uh, the situations that they're involved in and what's uh, left them. Um, several years ago, uh, a colleague of mine died unexpectedly. Uh, he was 48 years of age. I was with him uh, as well as two other individuals. Uh, 48 years of age, he had four children. Three of them were in college, university. One was in grad school. And when he died, massive heart attack, age 48, he had no insurance. And his wife is distraught. I, I was at the hospital uh, at that time when they were trying to revive him. And the doctor came and told me, um, we tried and we tried. We could not get him in back. He's gone. And then his wife showed up in the sort of the counseling room at the hospital with the children and had to tell her the Lord took her husband today. And her first reaction was, what am I going to do? I have no job. I've got three children in the university. What am I going to do? And he had no insurance. So I'm going to get to that and some application points. But this is just a real thing. No one knows. Our days are numbered. God will take us home when it's time. But we don't have any promise of tomorrow. And so we need to be thinking through, how do we care for those who are left uh, distraught or alone in a marriage situation? God has always been concerned about the unfortunate. In the Old Testament, I'm going to pull these up and the one in the New Testament. Let me just read these. Uh, it was good for me to be refreshed of God's mind on the unfortunate, which are usually the widows and the orphans. In Exodus 22, 22 to 24, the Lord says, You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them, and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry, and my wrath will burn, and I will kill you with the sword. And your wives, they'll become widows, and your children will be fatherless. There's God's mindset on uh, the less fortunate, the widows and the orphans. In Deuteronomy 27, 19, Cursed be any, anyone who perverts the justice due to the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. And all the people shall say, Amen. Isaiah 117, learn to do good, 
Seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, and plead the widow's cause. In Psalm 146, verse 9, the Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. In James 1.27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. You know, I look at um, Jesus' care for widows in the Gospels. He used them as uh, illustrations at times. He took notice of them. He cared for them. Some of the first words on the cross were to his mother, who more than likely was a widow. He's giving her into the care of the Apostle John in the early church. And you, you ask yourself, why did he give them to, to John? Uh, he had other half-brothers. James, Jude were half-brothers of Jesus. Why didn't he entrust his mother to them? Well, they weren't believers yet. Uh, they apparently didn't come to faith until after the resurrection, from what we can determine. And John was his cousin. His mother was his aunt. So both John's mother and Jesus' mother were sisters. It just They were right there. And he, cared, he knew that they, John would care for them and the family. But in Acts chapter 6, one of the first issues facing the early church, caring for widows, the Hellenists. It was one of the first issues facing the church, and God did not want them neglected. You say, well, why is it just widows and not widowers? Well, men tend to die earlier. Statistically, men die two to three times faster, higher than women. The average age, even back in the early centuries, was 35 to 40 years of age. If you lived past 40, that would be sort of remarkable. So it's the whole age you know, widows, especially 60, uh, you're not going to find many men at that, in that time living past then. It was mostly the women. And there are other speculations on that as well, but uh, those are the ones that I, I found that were at least um, seemed to make sense. So it looks like five different groups of widows. And some, there seems to be some overlap it kind of jumps back and forth sometimes. But the first one in chapter 5, verse 3, it says, honor widows who are truly widows. The word honor, it's interesting, uh, Timothy's name, it's the same root word. It's the same word, you know, tomato is honor. But that's Timothy. Timothy's name means honor God. So here, honor the widows. Timothy, it's like for me, my name means steward. So like steward, and I'm going, yeah, that's kind of what my name means. So it would have been a little catch there to Timothy, but honor often can refer to respect, but the context here goes much broader than just respect widows. It's going to talk about caring for them financially, whatever the needs are because he, he addresses it in the context. 
So the context, again, bears it out. Now, this widow's all alone. She's a godly woman. Her hope, in verse 5, is fixed on God. Uh, 3, 5, and 16 seem to talk about this genuine widow. Uh, she's a godly example. Her hope is, again, into the Lord. But we're to honor her, take care of her. Now, possibly, she can support herself. We're not sure, but the church is coming in on this one to make sure they're cared for. The next widow mentioned, or group, is the widow who has a family. Verse 4 reads this way. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. So this widow is not alone. She has descendants. She has some children, grandchildren. And, of course, that's really, I mean, it hits home to us. That's my mom. Um, my dad, the Lord brought him home to be with him, relocated him from here to there 15 years ago. So she was living on her own. I had another younger brother uh, who lived three doors away from her. So he would look in and take care of her. And oldest brother is down in Orlando. We moved up to Louisville, Kentucky at the time. And she was in Atlanta. So she was in between two, two of her sons. And then my younger brother died unexpectedly. So now we're not... This isn't going to work. My mom's all alone. We're calling. We're taking turns every other day, um, calling, making sure she was okay. And then we just finally said, you're going to have to come live with one of us or near one of us. And she said, I'm ready. And so she wanted to come live uh, with us. And it didn't matter which brother, but she chose to live with us. So eight years, she's been living with us. She just turned 92. And so my... Dear wife spends uh, part of her time caring for her, taking her to whatever appointments, going to the grocery store with her, just, just caring for her. And um, it's a joy. It really is a joy and a blessing to do that. And the Lord's pleased with that. So this will hit home if um, you have someone that's a widow and you are a child or grandchild this is what is on us to do, is care for them. And so that it shows godliness. It's making a return. Think of all what they've invested in us growing up. And it's making a return, as the text says. And it's pleasing uh, to the Lord. Then there seems to be another group here that he addresses. Uh, this widow living in worldly pleasure, verse 6. Uh, it says, she who is, um, trying to read this here, oh, but she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. This seems like another wit kind of a widow who is living totally for herself, worldly pleasure, lovers of pleasure rather than a lover of God kind of thinking here. Uh, it's a lifestyle, just even the, the verb form uh, tense. It's, it's a lifestyle of worldliness, of self-indulgence. It's just one word that's used. 
what this widow needs is the gospel. It's not, not to be supporting them if she's living in worldly pleasure, but she, she would need the gospel. So that's another group seems to just be talked about here. Then there seems to be a pause. um, When I'm just reading through um, all these different groups, all of a sudden it just stops in verse 7 and says, command these things as well so that they may be uh, without reproach. Um, It's almost as if the the Spirit of God through Paul is saying, listen, this is not a suggestion. These aren't just some ideas. Command this thing. This has to be. Widows have to be cared for. Don't care for those that are not meeting the criteria, but it says here, command these things uh, that they may be without reproach. Listen up. Demon has the word uh, in verse 8. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of the household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So this is a... uh, the word provide is plan ahead. Think ahead on this one. Uh, I would be very um, cautious about just waiting until something happens. I would say the scripture says plan ahead to provide for them. Oh, well, I'm going to have to really move. Just looked at the time. The next is the enrolled widow. And it seems like there's a list. Even back then, in the third and fourth centuries, there was a widow office that existed in the church. So they must have kept tally on certain kinds of widows. They were 60 or older, recognized in antiquity uh, as one became an old man or old woman was 60. They were devoted to one man. She was a one-woman, a one-man woman, just like an elder is a one-woman man. And she has a reputation of good works. It uses the word if or I. Right before these, she's reared children. She's been hospitable. She's washed the saints' feet, just humble, sacrificial service. She assists the afflicted in every good work. They should be on the list. Then the younger women. Now, this is just lots of mystery here on some of this here, but it says refuse them because of possible divided allegiance. One word used, they may uh, be interested physically, sexually, if they're a young widow. Now, just think about that. She was married, so she was intimate with her husband. Now she's all alone. She's not married. She may still have desires, even in the physical area. It seems to suggest that in that word. And he gives three reasons why they should marry, because of their youth, their young, They might, uh, if they don't get married, they could produce idleness and other faults, and their duty is to marry and maintain a home. And what is breaking the pledge? Uh, That is a bit of a mystery. I came up with a few different options there from different commentators. Was she breaking the pledge of her commitment that she would serve in the church? Is that why uh, there's this warning on her, a censor her? because she pledged service and she broke it. That's one option. Another one is she broke her pledge by marrying, but marrying an unbeliever. 
uh, two different commentators, Gordon Fee, Homer Kent, suggest that she's remarried an unbeliever. And again, at that, that phrase of kind of going against the first faith. Another option, John Calvin said she's breaking the pledge and there's a censor on her by she's just given up the faith. Her husband died and she's just abandoned the faith. And then e, uh, D. Edmund Hebert, he takes a combination. He says, well, she's married a pagan, and now she's acting like a pagan, denying the first faith, her first profession. I don't know. Uh, it seems to be a, a bit severe uh, than just breaking a commitment. Now, she should remarry. That's the point here. She should remarry, but... That's not always up to the woman, is it? My one friend who died age 48, his wife is still a widow. And that was 25 years ago. There's no guarantee that young widows will remarry. They might want to, but someone has to ask them. I've often thought maybe we ought to have a little bit, be stronger against single men in the church, who love this bachelorhood, no responsibilities and no commitments, and get after them. You're either devoted to the Lord and serving them full time, or get married. Care for someone. There's women who are uh, needing to be cared for. But I'm, I'm finding a lot of men who just like carefree, you know, no, no responsibilities. So let me just uh, go to some questions for thought. I'm going to go for some implications, and then we'll be done. Some questions for thought. What about should the church be supporting uh, younger women, uh, younger widows, with no family, when they desire to marry, but there's no one that's asking them? They're put in a, in a very tough spot. What about supporting single parents, again, who have no family to help them, that are like a widow. They're destitute. They have children. They're trying to care for children. They're trying to work. They can't do all of it together. Should a church come in and assist there? I'm just saying, when there's no family, we live in a country where you have government and all kinds of different options that we pay taxes for. So thank God we're in a country that does care. Social Security, Medic, Medicare. There's a lot of benefits we have in our country other countries do not have. But what do you do in countries where there is no Social Security, no Medicare? Talking to two of our students from Malawi, where it is extreme poverty, no benefits from the government, hand-to-mouth kind of poverty, average income $650 a year, that's a very real thing, these principles for churches caring for individuals when there's nothing, no other uh, entities to help. Just thinking through, what about widows who are unable to do much for the church but fit the bill here with no family, no one to care for them? So just meditation, points of meditation for application. Do we even know who the widows are in our church? Do you know who the widows are in your family, in your church? You might want to start a list. 
who are they? And reach out to them. Many are lonely. They're lonely. They may be cared for, but they're lonely. Reaching out, caring for them in their affliction. So make a list. Maybe visit them. Maybe ask them uh, over. Maybe ask them to go with you on some errands. My mom loves hanging out with my, my wife, even if she just sits in the car and my wife's going around to different places. She just likes doing something uh, and being with someone. We dare not neglect the widows. There's two strong of warnings here, and it's not Christ-like to neglect them. And even single parents make sure we are caring for them as well in our churches. Ask them, what practical needs do they have? And if you can't meet them, maybe there, there's ways you can see that they are met. This is very much on the heart of God, and it should be on our heart as well. Personally, in our own family, I would um, ask you to think ahead, plan for caring for your parents or grandparents. Think. A lot of you are so young. Uh, how am I going to parent? How, how could we care for our, our parents? How could I do that even now? Think about your home, how you could set it up, should that need arise. Uh, one way of doing it, and I'm not a life insurance salesman, but I've been around too many in funerals that had no insurance. And to watch the just burden on a widow that she's left with children and no money. You, most of you, are under 35. It's 50 cents a day for $250,000 life insurance policy term. Just think ahead. It costs 10000 for anyone to do your funeral. That's a burden on your parents. They have to come up with that right away. Get a life insurance policy on yourself. If you're married, definitely. If, you're, if you have children, absolutely. You don't want to leave your spouse in such a destitute place that would burden the church or burden other people. You can take care of that. That's just a practical way. Just in closing, my good friend who died and left his wife with four children, three in the university. She said, what am I going to do? I have no job. Three children in school. So I went to her pastor, Dr. MacArthur at the time, and he was the president of the school out there, the Masters University, and I said, uh, Dr. MacArthur, she is distraught. She's uh, in the emergency room right now because her blood pressure went way up. And I said, this is what's on her mind. This is, she doesn't know what to do. And she said, hold on. He talked with some administrators, people at the church as well. And he said, go tell her that her husband's salary will keep coming for a year. And tell her all of her children's college education will be paid for. That's meeting the needs. Now, that's the immediate needs, but what pressure just taken off of her 
Well, I'm just saying, this is how we care. This is the context here of treating people the way God treats us, how we lovingly correct people, verses 1 and 2, and then how do we care for widows, right? That's on the heart of God, and we can do that very practically. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together. I know it's been very quick, a very brief look at this passage, but very much a weighty issue on your heart that the orphans, the fatherless, and the widows are cared for. Help us to know who they are and to make sure that we are submissively obedient out of love for you because you first loved us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.